Mr. Pop. Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to pair Jamar Chase and Jerry Rice as your two wide receivers in fantasy football? Have you ever wondered what it would be like to start Barry Sanders and Patrick Mahomes in your fantasy football lineup? Then this is the place for you. Encore Fantasy, the only place where the fantasy stars of today face off against the legends of yesterday. There are a lot of fantasy games out there that do simulations. Encore Fantasy is taking actual games from these players' past. It's not simulating them. It's not a guess. You're actually getting a Fred Bolitnikoff game, not what Fred Bolitnikoff might have done at some point. Whether you are new to fantasy football or a veteran of the game, we have something for you. This is the Encore Fantasy Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Encore Fantasy Games Podcast. I'm Ben Stecker. I am here with Michael Michaud. How are you doing, sir? Doing well, Ben. Welcome back. I hope Sawyer and I made you proud last week holding down the fort. Oh, Sawyer always makes me proud. You, on the other hand, <laughs> you know, I don't know. No, it's good. Good episode. Got had to have some time to listen to that. Maybe I'll just retire from the bit altogether and let you guys take it from there. Plus, you know, it lets me go back out to Denver a little bit more and watch some Broncos games. Yeah, I want to ask you about that right now. They're two and one, but it's been pretty ugly. <laughs> and everyone's writing about how terrible Nathaniel Hackett is at the key aspects of coaching a team during during the game. So as a Broncos fan, how do you feel about that? I feel like we could fill the entire podcast with my feelings right now because they are <laughs> plentiful. I do know a lot of the people you're talking about who are writing about this stuff. And the reality of the situation is, I think those people would have to go back in time and find me the moment where a first-year head coach, first-year offensive coordinators, Hall of Fame quarterback coming from another team all got together on one team and how that worked out in the first three games. And it was really, really successful. Because if you even go back to Peyton Manning's first three years in Denver, they were not ideal. He had one touchdown and three interceptions in his second game. Uh, third game was up and down, and he didn't really start clicking until that second year. And that was Peyton Manning. And honestly, as a Broncos fan, I love Russell Wilson. I, I, I like having him on the team. He's not Peyton Manning. He's not Peyton Manning. As we might talk about this week based on legendary player performance, he's not Peyton Manning. I understand that. And football is different from baseball where you just sign a guy who's really good and just plug him into the lineup and go, there you go. Obviously, there's a lot more coordination and moving parts with a football team. Like having a new head coach and learning a new offensive system is complicated. And hey, the Broncos are 2-1, and one, and that's really what it matters. You are what your record says you are. How many seasons in a row in week two have we written Aaron Rodgers and the Packers off? Oh, yeah. Remember last year? They got blown out in week one. Yeah, they got smashed this week in week one. They were yeah, terrible they, this week. Yeah, they, it's not all apples to oranges, but I will say this. At that Broncos game, I have never personally experienced or even seen on TV in my lifetime the hometown counting down the play clock, which was both <laughs> horrifying and amusing. It was hilarious. But, but, yeah, you're right. It's both those things. It worked out fine in the end. We got the win. And we got the win against the Niners, which for my money is one of the best defenses in the NFL. And so sure. I, I told a friend going into that game, as long as there was no brain fart blunders by the coaching staff, we won 16 to 10. I would have been great. Look, I'm happy it, with where we're at. It's a good reminder that unlike the original BCS formula, which had margin of victory as part of it, which led to a lot of those early Steve Sprayer Florida teams just blowing people out unnecessarily because to get higher BCS points, you needed to do that. This is the NFL. There are no such things as ugly wins or pretty. There are just wins and losses. And if you're winning, 
you're winning. And in the AFC West, if the Chiefs are going to lose in a game they should have won at Indianapolis and the Raiders are 0-3, and then you see the Chargers losing at home to the Jaguars, who, I don't know, maybe are kind of good. The Broncos are 2-1, and three games into the season. That's great. Let's just move on and get better from here. That's right. We'll see how it goes. But it's football season. I said this to a couple of people, and I could be wrong about this. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts. The NFL is weird this year. It's just weird. I think that this is reflected in fantasy because I have never... I'm in five leagues and everyone that I know is also in other leagues. And it feels like every single person that I talk to this year is like, my team sucks. Everyone thinks their team sucks. And all these scores are down, these weird things. And people who are supposed to be performing are not performing. And listen, it's variable week to week. We're talking about human beings playing in a sport with so many different variables. But it seems like this year is weirder than other years. And the league is weird. And the Dolphins are 3-0. and And the Jaguars that's, are kind of good. That's like a sign of the apocalypse. Yeah, right? I don't know I, we, we don't know happening. what's going on. Yeah. yeah. This week, I was reading about how in September, when it's still hot in Miami, the Dolphins' sideline is completely in shade the whole game. And the other team's sideline is in the sun the whole game. <laughs> and five Bills players had to leave the game for heat-related issues. So maybe that's the reason. It's like golf. For me, I tell this to folks I play with. I think I've told this to you many times. I am what could be called a golf supervillain. When I play well, everybody in my group plays very poorly. So it's really in everybody's <laughs> best interest if I don't play well. The Dolphins are an NFL supervillain. When they play well, the rest of the NFL just stinks. And that's what's going on. It's like a zero-sum game. There's only so much so football even, to go around. And the Dolphins are taking so much of it right now. Yeah, they have to. They need that much good energy to be good. And suddenly they're good. And so that's they're just sucking it out of there. Who would have thought that the Jaguars would score 38 points on the road in Los Angeles against the Chargers? And then Aaron Rodgers would beat Tom Brady 14 to 12. (laughs) (laughs) After scoring like 14 points in the first 25 minutes of the game. And that was it. There you go, folks. A little housekeeping announcement. So we've been doing this weekly to kick this off, and it's been fantastic. But as we get into the heart of the season here, we're going to be going to bi-weekly episodes with the podcast. We'll be able to see some trends. If you haven't done it yet, we encourage you to go to the site, www.encorefan.com. You can play in our weekly tournaments. But we have a Jim Brown sighting. Jim Brown has made an appearance. Jim Brown arguably, has made arguably appearance. the greatest NFL player of all time and an excellent actor in any given Sunday. He's finally made an appearance in the league. Some of it was a challenge of getting his statistics correct and situated the same way all the other statistics are. But Jim Brown in the action, available for selection. It's very exciting. Let's take a little look back at week three. What are you seeing, Mish? What, what kind of fun things did we see? Once again, there is a heavy dose of legendary players on the list of top scoring players this week. The top scoring player of the week was Lamar Jackson. He had four passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown against the Patriots. Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen both had good weeks. But out of the top 15 players this week, about 12 of them were legendary players. Dante Culpepper, Mm. who I picked this week as my quarterback, he was the second highest scoring player of the week with 40 points in a game from 1999, which we will go over. Peyton Manning is up there. Dominic Williams. Todd Gurley, Jamal Charles, Joe Montana, Kellen Winslow, Billy Sims, Jason Witten, Ricky Waters all scored about 30 points this week. Interesting. Yeah, a lot of of 30 pointers. And we do have a couple of big games there with Lamar and Dante Culpepper, but not a lot of big games from the position players. I mean, 30 points, yes, good. But we've seen the the 45 plus points from some of the receivers, some of the running backs. LT had his big game. Yeah, LT was big, but we had no big time performances from active players. Like Stephon Diggs has had big weeks a couple of times. Tyree. 
Tyreek Hill. Derrick Henry had a good week, 25 points. Yeah, you know, very but. interesting. Very, very interesting way things shook out this week. It was a little bit of a tame week in fantasy. And it holds true on the historical side, too, which is funny how that worked out. But yeah, if we're looking at running backs, Dominic Williams, top the leaderboard. 32 uh, points. Yeah, we've shouted that name out a couple of times. It was one of his patented Houston Texans running back receiving games where he had seven catches for 50 yards and a touchdown. Had a lot of rushing yards, too, but did most of his damage through the air. 139, but yeah, seven catches, 50 yards and a touchdown. He's one of those guys that we talked about towards the beginning of the season. Finding those guys who have the short careers, but were really good. You might get some bad games at the front end or maybe the back end of his career, but there's a good percentage in the middle there that are cash money. So get some quality delta from him, which was about 13 points above his projected number this week. He was a strong choice. My pick last week that Sawyer and I went over was Eric Dickerson, ED. 60% of his touchdowns were in 50% of his games, very heavily weighted towards the beginning of the career. And I didn't get one of those. So (laughs) I got, I got 3.3 points from Eric Dickerson, which is one of the highest negative deltas on the board this week. He was my pick this week. So if anyone listened to me, apologies, because that didn't work out. Just crushing it. Just crushing it over there with that one. Yeah, but uh, I picked Dante Culpepper and he was the second highest scoring player of the week. So yeah. And and where did you finish? Where did you, where did you finish in the pool there, buddy? Well, I mean, I didn't know that. I didn't know we were supposed to mention that. I wasn't in the top. <laughs> I got all excited in trying to capitalize on the aforementioned supervillains of the Dolphins. I, I threw a little Tua in my lineup, which came back to bite me in the rear end almost as much as Justin Jefferson did. But Jamal Charles checked in with an interesting one. His stat game, and this was from September 20th, 2015. He was one of the top scoring running backs, 31 fantasy points, but he did it with only 49 rushing yards, but three rushing touchdowns. You got anything on that game? That's a very interesting game. I do. It is an interesting game. He had 49 rushing yards, three touchdowns. He had five targets for 33 yards. It was a Monday night game. The Packers beat the Chiefs 38-28, but Jamal Charles had a nine-yard rush, a four-yard rush, and a seven-yard rush. And that is an interesting combination. Charles was an explosive guy, but not surprisingly in a game that the Chiefs were down 31-7 to at one point. Aaron Rodgers had a good game. Aaron Rodgers is active, so you couldn't get this game. When we have Encore Fantasy Football Live, you could get it. But it is a very interesting game from Jamal Charles because, like I said, in that season, he ended up getting hurt and missing most of. The week before this, he had 125 rushing yards in a loss against Denver with a touchdown. He also fumbled twice in that game. Captain caveat. That's right. It's weird to have... 49 yards rushing, but three touchdowns and five catches for 33 yards. So that's just a weird combo. But I mean, whatever the combo is, it adds up to 31.2 points, which is about 17 points higher than his projection. That's one of the highest deltas that we have on this one. Yeah. I mean, besides the quarterbacks, obviously, we talked about Lamar, Dante, big games from them. Kellen Winslow, uh, it looks like, had a. Yeah, Peyton, uh, Peyton Manning had one. Kellen Winslow had one. But actually, moving over the tight ends, that's a really interesting group because there's a couple that had big ones. Kellen Winslow did, as did Jason Witten popped in with a 30-point game. 10 catches, 140 yards, and a touchdown. I'm going to make a guess that this game was against the Giants because Jason Witten always played well and seemed to catch all the passes whenever he played the Giants. So let's see what game that was. December 19th, 2010. For Jason Witten against Washington. We had 10 catches for 140 yards and a touchdown and in a PPR league. Goodness gracious. He had 12 targets tied for second highest. Him and Tony Romo tearing it up. In one game against the Giants earlier that year, he had nine catches for 95 yards. So I'm not way off on that. Not way off there, no. It's a pretty classic game from Witten other than the touchdown because he didn't necessarily rack up the touchdowns. But those, I mean, he got targeted and caught so many balls. <laughs> Sorry, John Kitna was the quarterback for the Cowboys that day. Tony Romo was probably hurt. 
That's funny. Wow. John Kitna. The yeah. brain quarterback. Yes, sir. Yes, That's sir. right. So we talked about this a couple weeks ago. The last time you were on, I think, is like tight ends being a possibility like Witten, like Kellen Winslow, like Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gate, guys who could have really big scores. They have really good projections because they just had great careers. And Jason Witten pulled off a great one. And Kellen Winslow, who scored 0. 0.7 more points than Witten, he had 15 catches for 157 yards. For those of you who are both youths and olds, that's Kellen Winslow Sr., not Kellen Winslow Jr., who played for a few years there and was pretty decent in the late 90s, early 2000s. Kellen Winslow Jr.? No, 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 no. He played later than that. I'm old. I just mix up dates. 2004 to 2013. So we're both right. See? In your face. Kellen Winslow Sr. obviously was a legendary tight end and this is what you get with that. Interestingly, though, the worst tight end pick of the week was Shannon Sharp, who put up a big fat zero. Big fat zero. Against his 10.6 projection. So... But I would add that based on the way that the current tight ends are underperforming, I'd rather take a gamble on someone like Antonio Gates, Jason Witten, or Tony Gonzalez than Robert Tanyan, who actually had 9.7 points, but I wouldn't bet on that again. Darren Waller has been pretty bad this year. People thought that he was going to have a big year with a lot of attention going to Devontae Adams, but it's been pretty bad. So again, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I would still gamble on a legendary tight end when I'm filling out my team. That seems to be a trend we're really seeing come through. Another trend we've thought might be popping up was the wide receiver side. Interestingly enough, the wide receivers this week, not a lot of scores going on there. A lot of them came from some historical guys, but when 25 points is the highest wide receiver score of the week, man, that goes back to it just being a down week. The top wide receiver score was Randy Moss, and it was the 16th highest score across Encore Fantasy Football this week, which is a shocking development. In a PPR league where you can choose if you manage your projected points budget correctly, you could get Stefan Diggs and Cooper Cup in the same team or Justin Jefferson, but he had a down week. That is a development that I think people are struggling with across fantasy. And it was clearly reflected this week when, again, of the top 15 scores, none of them were wide receivers. You had a lot more legendary running backs like Gurley, Charles, Billy Sims, Ricky Waters, Le'Veon Bell, who Sawyer was pushing last week. And (laughs) even before we got to Randy Moss and Michael Irvin, who were the 16th and 17th highest scores. And the top current player, that was Amari Cooper for the Browns on Thursday night. So that is a that is party has a Cooper. That's why we invited you. Amari Cooper. Nice. Yeah. If NFL fan bases were like Premier League fan bases and they develop songs for each player, that's got to be the Amari Cooper one. It's definitely the Amari Cooper song. You're welcome, Browns fans. You can have that free of charge. That's right. For free. Such a good song. That one. Interesting little stat down here that we definitely have to touch on. And this is more of a guy who just fell on his face. Steve Smith checks in with minus 0.8 points, no catches, no yards, and minus eight yards on what must have been an end around run. Gotta be. I can imagine that play happening in my mind. To pick Steve Smith and get negative points. I have to wonder if he ran that early on. And somehow in my brain, I remember this, that he ran a play like that early on and he got hurt in the game. It was a hurt ankle or was a hurt knee. It is from October 21st, 2001. It was the Panthers versus the Commanders. He had one rushing attempt for negative eight yards. He did have two kick returns and three punt returns, but he was inactive the week after this game. So it's very possible that he hurt himself on that run 
Nah, he was just a rookie, man. He was just playing special teams. So I was off on that one. He definitely was just in there playing special teams as a rookie. Got one touch because obviously he was a dynamic speed player. So it's what the NFL does. If you got these guys that are small and you don't know what to do with them, give them an end around and see what they do with it in their rookie season. Have them return kicks and punts. Fortunately, four years later, he turned into a pretty darn good player. Yeah. I mean, you could you could say that he was pretty good. He was pretty good. His run came late in the first quarter. Steve Smith left end negative eight yards tackled by Daryl Green. That's how you know this game took place a long time ago. Daryl Green, who at the time was 41 that season for the Redskins. That's the NFL for you, man. Hey, kid, uh, run an end around. Got my eight yards. Thanks. You can go sit on the bench for a while and you're going to be inactive next week. Thanks, buddy. See you later. Talk to you later. That might be the worst performance of the week right there. That sucks picking Steve Smith and getting negative points. It's going to be tough to top that negative points is pretty rare, especially from a wide receiver. So that's just bad luck for whoever. I think it's definitely the biggest negative delta. Yeah, negative 15. Although Terrell Davis, he checked in with only four points against a 19 point projection. So he was negative 15. As well, Justin uh, Jefferson was negative seventeen. Oh, Justin Jefferson did nothing this week. Ugh. You would have thought that he would have been more heavily involved in that game, which was back and forth between the Lions and the Vikings. Overall, I think we're seeing what we wanted to see from this game. You can win with all active players, which we've seen. You could win with all legendary players. You could definitely do that. This week was a week where if you went in that direction, you definitely won because of all the underperformance from current players. And mixing and matching, like which positions are you taking a gamble with that you think are going to be more effective? This week, we saw legendary running backs are more effective than current running backs. And no wide receivers are really effective. Legendary quarterbacks and active quarterbacks were kind of split. They were both effective. You got Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson, who seems to be a pretty safe pick at this point. Same with Josh Allen. I think it just goes to show that this game is really fun and just as random as regular (laughs) fantasy football. There are ways to game it. You can definitely game it. You can definitely figure out based on who you're picking, but you're still succumbing to the role of the roulette wheel. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that brings us to our legendary performance of the week. And I'm going to go a little outside of the terminology and say that the legendary performance actually came from a current player. And it's not just this week. It's so far this season. And that's Lamar Jackson. 47 points this week. He had four passing touchdowns, a rushing touchdown. He had close to 50 some points last week. He's been phenomenal this year. So talk about a guy who bet on himself with his contract and is like living up to it. Great cash, homie. He's like the Aaron Judge of the NFL this year. Okay. Okay. Let's go. It's bad enough to hear you go on and on about your Giants. Sadly, lost last night. Condolences. But we're not bringing the Yankees into this. I'm just saying it's the same situation. He didn't sign an extension that he didn't like before the season. And it's a risk you run, especially when you're Lamar Jackson and you go out and you run around. It's actually funny. We were talking about him because my cousins and I were just texting about him. And it started with a conversation of whether or not Daniel Jones is good. And then who's a guy as a quarterback? Is Kyler Murray a guy? And most of us were like, no, he's not. Kyler Murray wants a play to break down so he can run around because he's not good at the other parts of being quarterback. Lamar Jackson is a good pocket passer. He only had 218 yards passing in this game, but four touchdowns. But Lamar Jackson is a guy who can adjust if the play does break down and he is a complete weapon on that side. But he bet on himself. He's been absolutely fire. To be honest, it's crazy looking back that I didn't pick him going into this week because it just seems like a no-brainer. Until he has a dud, you keep riding it. But yeah, he's got about 100 points over the last two weeks. It's tough to beat that. I'm not sure I'm going to jump on the bandwagon that says that he's suddenly become an excellent pocket passer because a lot of his plays come with running around and getting the ball to Mark Andrews, running around, getting the ball downfield to Bateman. A lot of his plays come on broken plays. 
He does. There is certainly some of that, but I would say he's more of a traditional passer than Kyler Murray is. I feel like he's developed that as part of his game. No, he's not Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or one of those guys who prefers to be in the pocket. Sure, let him outside the tackles and run around and throw, but he's not just reliant on broken plays. Good week from Lamar Jackson. Two in a row. Pretty had a good first week. You got him in your fancy lineups. You're doing well. Him and Josh Allen both this year have been really good on that front. So that's 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 my call for legendary performance. Little hat tip over there to Dante Culpepper, who had a great game. November 14th, 2004 for Dante Culpepper. A loss to the Packers at Lambeau Field, 34-31. Culpepper was 27 of 44, 363 yards, and four touchdowns. No interceptions. So a great game for Dante Culpepper. I imagine several of those touchdowns went to either Randy Moss or Chris Carter, but I would be wrong. Jermaine Wiggins, Nate Burleson, Ontario Smith, and Mo Williams. Really using his running backs in that one. Yeah, not names that you would normally associate. Nate Burleson had 11 catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown in that game. So it was Dante Culpepper versus Brett Favre. Brett Favre was 20 of 29 for 236 yards, but four touchdowns. Jermaine Wiggins, Nate Burleson, Ontario Burleson. Smith, and Mo Williams. So a running back, a fullback, a wide receiver, and a tight end. So he ran the cycle on touchdown yeah, passes. He yeah, he did. He covered yeah, that. That's the cycle of touchdown passes. The it's cycle the of thing. touchdown passes. We've just created it. You're welcome, football. Dante Culpepper checks in with a cycle of touchdown passes. Well, see, he could, he did everything. Now that's a pocket quarterback right there. Yeah, who could also run. Not Randall Cunningham run, but like he could move. You know what's funny is I picked him because I had these memories of him like running roughshod over the league in, you know, with the Vikings. And then I look at his career and is actually pretty bad. He had only <laughs> one year where he was over 500 as a quarterback, and that was 2000, his first year as a starter when he had 33 touchdowns and 16 interceptions, but everything else was not that great. Culpepper was one of those guys. I do think he liked to pass first run if he had to yeah. in his career. And probably wise because it was later on in his career when he heard himself running and then it, everything kind of went derailed from there. And he was tried to make his comeback and never really got back into it. And that was just the way things went. But yep, yep. he was always that guy. But he did have a good week this week. A savvy pick by yours truly, even if it was the only savvy <laughs> pick I had. But yes, Dante uh, Culpepper. There we go. I, I should have known better than to throw a name that you picked out there because now we're going to hear about it for the rest no, no, of the no, show. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. It was very smart. <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. Legendary performance of the week. So that segues us into some of the trends we're seeing. I uh, love talking about the trends we're seeing. What we thought might have been a current player trend with wide receivers being the way you wanted to go. I think that's taken a little bit of a hit. Do you agree? Yes, definitely. It's taken a huge hit. Like we said at the beginning, the NFL just being kind of weird, not just in like the results of the game, but also from a fantasy perspective, just so much underperformance across the board. And like we've mentioned Justin Jefferson um, and we've mentioned some other, like there've been some other guys who have just underperformed. Then you have guys like Greg Dortch performing well and with the Cardinals. And that's not someone who most people would be picking a few key guys are still producing, you know, Tyreek Hill, Cooper cup, Stefan Diggs is generally having a good season. Although this week he only had 14 points, no touchdown, but like Jamar chase is kind of down. Devonte Adams isn't doing as well as people would expect. It's an interesting position to take is like looking at modern wide receivers who are definitely more involved in the offense than legendary players were, but you can get a lot of quality. I mean, we saw Steve Largent in week one have a huge week, um, but you know, and you, you can get Randy Moss or Michael Irvin or Torrey Holt. 
or Chris Carter, but that's an interesting view is looking at wide receivers being down over the last couple of weeks, I'd say like not at the top, but kind of in that meaty middle. Yeah, I still am leaning towards it being a better pick to go with a live receiver. I think your your floor is a little bit higher there, but we are seeing some of the top performers coming in that are historical players that really can't put it up. I mean, they're the guys you would think, right? They're the Randy Mosses. Last week, Terrell Owens had one. Jerry Rice had a big one last week. Or my guy Lance Allworth had one last week. There's some of that stuff, but it's two weeks in a row where four of the top five have been historical players in the wide receiver position. So that's an interesting one. But if we look at this week and we go down just to a little bit and we look at like the top 15, the vast majority are actually current players still. They're the guys you'd think, right? The McLaurins, the Waddles, the Chases, they're not blowing the doors off this week, but they're posting scores in there. And so I think that if you really want to win big, we might be seeing that the historical ways to go. But if you want to be safe, then current players might be the way to go at wide receiver. Yep. 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 I think that's definitely true. Like you said, when you look at, okay, the overall point scoring, okay, wide receivers weren't that high. But if you're just diving into one specific positional group and you're looking at wide receivers, then yes, most of the top 15 were active players. And even then the scores, you know, are not like we're only talking 10 points difference from like the best to, you know, the 10th best or the 12th best. So it's not that big a difference. And I think that point that you made about the floor being higher for modern players, that's the kind of calculation that you have to factor in as you as you kind of piece together your team. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely right. Uh, an individual player trend we're seeing is the last two weeks, a guy who showed up at the top of the scoring, Billy Sims. And now he he costs a little bit to get him up there. It's 19.8 projected, so it's going to take a bite out of your budget. But back-to-back weeks, he's gone for 27 points, and he's gone for another 30 points this week. So talking about a guy who shows up weekly, Billy Sims seems to be one of those guys. Billy Sims, man, he only played five years. He was Barry Sanders in Detroit before Barry Sanders made the NFL. He only played five years. He had 47 touchdowns in 60 career games. And he's proving it. He's proving it over the last couple of weeks. And I expect that we'll see some more people take a look at him. You're right that he is expensive from a projected point of view, but that's because his average career scoring is pretty high. He's been living up to it so far. Yeah. He also caught a lot of balls. He caught 186 balls, which is a lot in the early 80s. This is a guy, I believe he won the Heisman Trophy at Oklahoma. He's proven to be a good choice at running back. And we've seen running backs, the modern running backs, the active players be a little variable. Like Derrick Henry had a good week this week, but the two weeks before that were pretty bad. Now Dalvin Cook is hurt. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who knows what the Chiefs do with their running backs. He had a touchdown this week. Nick Chubb is generally a solid choice. But other than that, you're kind of gambling. And again, the same idea. The floor for Billy Sims is higher than the floor for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Yeah, I think that's totally accurate. That's totally fair. It's one of those things. Yeah, you pay a premium, but you get a higher floor. And I think that's something that we might be seeing there. Got any trends you're seeing that are popping out to you? Anything you want to hop in on? The quarterback position is super interesting. You know, we didn't have a large collection of quarterbacks chosen. We had a lot of people in the pool this week. They mainly chose between 13 quarterbacks, about split between legends and active players. I think that is an interesting area where you can find some delta, but there are obvious guys 
that are separating themselves. Lamar, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes had a down week looking at his Delta. It was negative, but that's still a pretty safe pick every week, especially if the Chiefs go into FU mode after their loss to the to the Colts. But I would look at active quarterbacks over legendary ones. It's interesting you say that because in weeks one and weeks two, that's what the users did. In fact, only four historical quarterbacks were chosen overall in those two weeks combined until this week where it was more 50-50. So interestingly, early on, the users did go that active quarterback route. And what's interesting to me is of all the historical quarterbacks picked, only two have had a negative delta. So that tells me that you might be getting a better floor if you're looking at those historical players. And I wonder if people might start to pick up on that a little bit because all of them, Drew Brees, Bledsoe, Montana, Manning, Culpepper this week, they all outperformed their projection. And even Cam Newton, he barely underperformed his projection. I mean, he was basically even with his projection. Exactly. And and meanwhile, you've got guys like even Mahomes, who you think is going to be great, comes in and he's six under. You've got Tua. Yes, I picked Tua. Thank you very much. I started him in our fantasy league the week after sitting him on the bench with 60 points. We talked about it this year. The NFL's a little weird. And maybe that's something that comes out in the quarterback side because we know early on weeks one and two, if you put pick Burrow, he would have underperformed. He was one of those guys that just wasn't quite doing what it is. Russell Wilson, if you picked him, he he hasn't done what he's supposed to do. Herbert Ooh. has underperformed. You've got all these active quarterbacks that you think would be pretty safe. This is like almost the exact inverse of the wide receiver situation where you have a higher upside with those historical players and maybe a bit safer floor with receivers with current players. But quarterbacks, you have a safer floor with historical players, but a higher upside with the Lamar Jack. Jackson's and the Josh yeah. Allen's. Yep, I think that's true. So those are some interesting trends we've got coming down the pipe there that seem to make a little bit of sense. We've got a lot of noise thus far because it's only been three weeks, but trying to figure out the trend lines coming through it, it's it's part of the fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Those are our trends that we're seeing right now at this stage, obviously week three. I do like looking well, at the individual players week to week and see if anybody's just having that Billy Sims type thing. Let's take a look ahead at next week. And let's dive into some guys we might be looking at. What do you got? You got anybody on us that you're sitting over there waiting to put in the lineup and that you know is going to help get you out of the gutter for a change? First of all, after talking him up, I think it'd be hard not to go with Billy Sims because it seems pretty obvious the guy had a short career, but it was really good and he's got a high average. So I would go with Billy Sims, but also we were talking about him earlier. I want to get Jim Brown in my team because the guy's one of the best NFL players of all time, if not potentially the best. So I'm looking at Jim Brown, 10th all time in career touchdowns. He did it over 10 seasons while Marvin Harrison did the same thing over like 12 seasons and Chris Carter was over 15 seasons. So, you know, you've got a lot of touchdowns compressed into a short period of time. I think I'm going to go with a duo of Jim Brown and Billy Sims and see what happens. I might be scraping the bottom of the proverbial barrel for my other positions, but you know, leaning into those two guys. I'm definitely going to need somebody to come and brace me from falling over from those bold picks that you just made there. I'm going to take the two best running backs, possibly the history of the NFL and start them. Really, really bold moves there. It's about, it's about winning. I didn't know I was supposed to be groundbreaking. <laughs> This isn't an HBO prestige drama. I'm not trying to break new ground. I'm just trying to win. (laughs) Very, very good. Very good. One guy I'm looking at that is a little bit off the beaten path, but it started to get a little bit of play. Zay Jones in Jacksonville. Not a lot of people would have said at the beginning of the season, hey, we need to look at the number three receiver on the Jacksonville Jaguars. (laughs) But he's getting targeted, man. He's getting a lot of luck. He had a big week this last week where he came in and he dropped something like 10 catches for 85 yards and a touchdown. He's getting a lot of that slot work in there. He had 11 targets. He had nine targets in week one. And Lawrence is starting to find his his rhythm. Trevor Lawrence is starting to find that, that groove a little bit. He's got 
Christian Kirk there too. You got Etienne, you got Robinson out of the backfield. Marvin Jones Jr. is there. So there's a lot of weapons there, but I think Zay Jones is finding that one-on-one coverage and it's really giving him some opportunities to be that safety blanket for Lawrence. And so that's a guy that's probably going to be really cheap on the projection side that you can slot in your lineup. Yes, now you've given me a great idea for a wide receiver who might have low projections, but could outperform them. No, it, like we mentioned it earlier, the Jaguars might be kind of good and have a pretty good offense score 38 points against the Chargers. And you mentioned it, they have tons of weapons. I mean, when you have tons of weapons, like, yeah, there are guys you lean on at the top. Okay, like you said, Christian Kirk, who was clearly brought in to be, you know, the number one wide receiver. And you have two great running backs, James Robinson and Etienne. But the guy had 10 catches. It's hard to expect him to drop completely off the table from that. He's clearly someone who Trevor Lawrence trusts. And that is... That is a strong pick. That that's a good that's a good look for a middle of the road guy to fill out your lineup when you're factoring in your projected points budget. And I might I might pair him with another current wide receiver too, who's probably going to be low on the projection. Although it might go up a little bit with Michael Thomas being hurt. But Chris Olave, that's another guy. He had 13 targets last week, 13 targets this week. He's got 14 catches for 227 yards over the last two weeks. I mean, a rookie who is a sensational talent, and he's really starting to come into it. Plus, again, Michael Thomas is banged up, and we do know that famous Jameis loves to throw that football. He likes to do that, and if he's got a guy that he trusts to go Caution. to be damned caution, caution be damned he's just caution gonna throw be it damned. yeah he's he's gonna go out there and sling it around the yard a little bit and so yeah I, I think Chris Olave is another guy that you could put him in there he's probably gonna be affordable on the projection side he's definitely uh, and gonna be affordable get him in there and again it lets you free up some space for the Josh Allen's the Lamar Jackson's the Billy Sims the the Jim Brown's all those guys he's just another example of someone who I remember being on draft boards like oh this is a guy you should be looking at in the ninth 10th 11th round of your draft Olave's led the team in targets for two straight weeks if Thomas is out or at least underperforming boom that's a guy that's going to get the ball also is Alvin Kamara healthy I don't know it doesn't really seem like it. He's certainly one of those guys that's underperforming. That was a high draft pick, either late first round, early second round in a lot of leagues, especially PPR. But he's been pretty bad. And I know he got hurt. Yeah. Alave is a good choice. Also, considering how surprisingly good-ish Marcus Mariota has been with the Falcons at throwing the ball. Drake London is another guy in the same mode where you're looking at lower end projections for a wide receiver, but someone who could easily outperform them. They finally got Kyle Pitts involved this past week as a bunch of fantasy owners me included. We're freaking out about that. Not that I was going to drop Kyle Pitts, but Mariota's created a pretty good offensive environment there. And Drake London's another guy on that second tier wide receiver list who could easily outperform. Yeah, it's definitely a good group of guys in that space. Uh, And it goes back to that higher floor with those current wide receivers that can contribute like we've been talking about for sure. This is what Encore Fantasy is about, like combining those guys all together in one team. They would never be together in one team (laughs) except on Encore Fantasy Football. Yeah, you know what? It's like building with Legos, man. It doesn't have to make sense initially. And it's just got to be all there at the end, right? Well, you're itching me where I scratch when you talk about Legos, baby. That's uh, that's my jam. So, yes, you're right. Exactly. Who else on the historical side have we not really seen out there yet that might be an interesting one? Edron James. Oh, uh, the edge. I don't believe Edron James has been picked yet. And Edron James had 10 seasons and he was lights out for that, for like that high scoring Colts team with Peyton Manning. The guy had double digit touchdowns in four of his seasons, 1999, 2000, 2003, and 2005. He got a lot of catches, especially early, early in his career. He had over 80 catches in each of his first two seasons with Peyton Manning out of Miami. So the edge is someone that I do not believe has been picked. Hall of Famer. Edron James, I would be looking at him. I'm like, this is a guy who who people should be grabbing to put in their lineup. 
I think that's a great one. Uh, Edron James is a fantastic choice for that one. He did. He was productive, very productive for most of the years of his career. He did it both through the on the ground and through the air. He was definitely a guy who could take the check down pass and go the yards with it. I think that's a great call. I also want to stay in the running back space and give you one more. For a guy who has an extremely high floor, if not a really high ceiling, Curtis Martin. Curtis Martin had 1,000 rushing yards and 30 catches every year of his career, except for his final season. That's crazy. That is consistent, effective production for a running back that you just can't get behind. And he had several years with double-digit touchdowns. He had 14 rushing touchdowns his first two years. But he had 1,000 rushing yards and 30 receptions every year of his career, except for his last year. And his last year, he had 700 rushing yards, 24 catches, and he only played in 12 games. So it's not like he was terrible that year. So no. that's a guy who, I mean, he can, he, he's going to come in. He's probably going to cost you a little bit on the projection side, but he's going to be a safe bet week in and week out. And I don't think I've seen him pop up yet. No, 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 no. I definitely don't think we've seen Curtis Martin. That's a very good call. He was like just solid, like every week. It seemed like the guy rushed yeah. from for between like 80 and 110 yards, like every week for the Jets. That's another good one. Edron James, Curtis Martin on the uh, running back side this week, I think would all be quality picks. Yeah. And it goes back to the, on the historical side, there's a lot of good historical players that you can go in that definitely are going to be able to carry you. Yeah, it's worth the investment because you're not going to lose a lot of points there. It's always worth just going and clicking around on some of these sites where you get to see all these historical players and some of the names that you'll find that'll pop up and you're like, who is that guy? And why have I never heard of how good he was? Or and, uh, you'll come across guys, you'll be like, oh yeah, that guy that I remember playing so well and I just forgotten about because I only have so much room in my brain for, for stats <laughs> that he slipped out. There are plenty of those guys. Yeah. This is the fun part of it, right? We get to go, we go back and we see all this stuff and then we pair him up with the Chris Olaves and the Zay Jones of today and have a lot of fun. There we go. Some of our picks there. Obviously, there's a ton of options to choose for when you're playing in this league, but give you a little place to start from. All right, folks. I think that's going to do it for this week. Appreciate you joining us again. Just a reminder, we're going to be going to bi-weekly episodes, so don't forget to tune back in in a couple of weeks when our next episode comes out. But in the meantime, go on into EncoreFan.com, www.EncoreFan.com and play in our weekly contests. Play around with the historical players, the live players. Get in there, build a lineup. It's all free to play. Go and check it out. You yeah, could. you can win some money if you if you pick the best lineup. <laughs> and check out our Twitter feed at Encore Fantasy on Twitter. We post a lot of material during the week there. And also check out our Instagram at Encore Fantasy Games. Check it out. Get in there. We've got a lot of options for gameplay. There's a lot of ways you can play this game. It's really fun. So get in on it. Use our recommendations. Don't use our recommendations. Yeah, I personally think the guy who runs the Twitter feed is really funny and posts some really good humorous things on there. So that guy, he's really good at what he does. So it's a really good follow. Yes. Yeah, whoever that person is. Whoever. Someone, someone yeah. witty and intelligent. A handsome, yeah, exactly. uh, really, really looked up to by a lot of people. Yeah, it's, it's definitely worth looking into. Mish, let's do this. What's one bet you have that you're going to make this week in the NFL? Give me one bet. I'm going to bet. I don't even know what it is. I haven't even looked at it, but I'm going to bet the under in the Giants-Bears game coming up this weekend. I'm going to bet the under. <laughs> Whatever the over-under is, it's going to be under. That sounds like a great bet. That is a solid bet. Unsurprisingly, going where to the well you know is the Giants, which is where I'm going to go to the well that I know. And I'm going to say that the Broncos beat the Raiders by five plus this week. I don't know what the opening it, line's going to be. Is it in Vegas? It's got to be in Vegas, right? Yeah, I don't know what the line's going to be yet. My guess is it'll be closer to like a minus one or a minus three. You think the Broncos will beat the Raiders eight to two? <laughs> eight to two. We almost did have that seven five win. No, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be closer to a uh, twenty five twenty seven to twenty game. Okay, 
Mm. Yeah. Well, that's a bold move considering what the Broncos offense looked like thus far. Bold move, Cotton. Also, let me run through the quick disclaimer that these are our own wagers and we are not liable if you take us up on these wagers and lose all of your money by responsibly. Thank you very much. Correct. Yeah. I don't think that's legally going to hold up in court, but we're going to say it well. And with that, thanks for joining <laughs> us on the podcast. This episode is history. I am what could be called a golf supervillain. My power is the ability to send small white balls 300 yards into people's windows. I am the Magneto of golf. Caution be damned. Caution, Caution be damned. This is what Encore Fancy is about. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is Every party has a Cooper. That's why we invited you. Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper.